Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. This coming week in our Bible engagement, we're talking about prayer. And uh, thank you. It's such a broad topic. This one took a lot of prayer to get to. (laughs) And so... um, it was one of those things where I was like, Lord, is this really the, the approach you want me to, um, to take? And then I got a text message from our amazing prayer warrior group. They prayed yesterday as they do the last Saturday of every month. And uh, they quoted me some of the scriptures they prayed, and it was confirmation. And what I have to teach you today actually goes in line with what the Holy Spirit has been emphasizing from when Rich opened up. Uh, our service with John 11 and prophesied over us and the the lineup. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you. We are undone. That the God of the whole universe would want to spend time with us. (laughs) May we never, ever take that for granted. That the God of the universe wants to spend time with us. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to our hearts as we get into your word today. May only what you want said, spoken, and put your truth in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, one of the big things that I want to just kind of give an introduction before I get into the meat of what I feel the Holy Spirit wants to say. But prayer... And relationships is the focus of where we're going to go today. And prayer is how we develop and maintain a growing relationship with God and a healthy relationship with God. You'll read in the Bible engagement this week that prayer is the greater work. That of all the things we do for Jesus, prayer is the greater work. It's not just a religious duty. It shouldn't just be a time where we come to God and list off all the things we need treat him like a genie in the bottle or an ATM machine. But where we actually come and share our hearts and our thoughts, where we're allowed to be vulnerable and honest, you don't have to put on a show with God. Did you know that? Isn't that so good? Sometimes we feel like we have to put on a show in front of others and we can't let them see how we're really doing or how we're feeling. Yet with God, he already knows even if you don't tell him. (laughs) And he actually invites us to come and share even our vulnerability, because this is what adds to the intimacy that God desires for every single one of us. And prayer is the main way we nurture our connection to God. More than going to church, way more than giving finances or serving or even scripture. Prayer is the main connection point that we have with God. And as we grow and mature in our relationship with God, it's not just about coming and talking to him, but learning how to sit and listen how to just be with him. If you've ever had a comfortable friend or friendship or relationship in your life where nothing has to be said, there's just enjoyment being in their presence. You know, you can do that with God. If ever you're in this church and we're lingering in the presence of God and you're like, this is weird. I don't know what to do. Just enjoy the presence of God. (laughs) So here's a... 
basic of what I want to cover. First of all, God is very personal. God created humanity for relationship. God is love. So everything towards us is love. His heart towards us is love. Everything he wants for us is from a place of love. And God is also all-powerful. He is above all and in control of all. Not only that, but he's all-knowing. He's not limited to what you and I are limited to. You and I know this much or less. And God knows everything. That means that there's nothing outside of his knowledge. He's not surprised by anything that happens. He's not taken back. We are. We get surprised. But God is never surprised. He's good. And that word good really means that everything towards you is good. His plans towards you are good. He works all things together for good. He's wise. He knows what's best for us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts, not our thoughts. But he knows what is best. Not only that, but God is holy. He's active. I love this part of God. He's not a standoff God waiting to see what you're going to do and then judging you accordingly. He's active. He's active in the world events and he's active in a very personal level. He wants to be active with you, for you. And God is sovereign. No matter what happens, God is in control. That was actually our Good News Club word up on Friday. God is in control. I want to read this quote from Focus on the Family. It says, prayer is a relationship wherein we humbly communicate, worship, and sincerely seek God's face, knowing that he hears us, loves us, and will respond, though not always in a manner we may expect or desire. Prayer can encompass confession, praise, adoration, supplication, which is just a fancy word for asking him for what you need. Intercession is when we pray for someone else and much more than that. So I want to just hit some scriptures this morning and we'll see how much the, the Holy Spirit lets us get in today. Go to Luke chapter 5, 15 and 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it says this. So Jesus had told, he just healed some lepers. He said, don't tell anyone. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Often. Everybody say often. Jesus often withdrew from all the demands, from all that was intended for him. Jesus came here with a purpose. He knew God's will for his life. He understood what he came to do. And even in the midst of his assignment, he knew in order to do his assignment, he needed to withdraw to a place of, of, of aloneness, of wilderness, to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but Jesus was busy. 24-7, even got woke up from his naps. Anytime Jesus was awake, he was busy. People wanted to talk to him, ask him questions, get healing, get deliverance. Man, Jesus was busy. And what that tells me is this. Being busy is not a valid excuse for not praying. Sometimes we say, well, I can't pray because I'm busy. We all busy. Well, I'm too busy to pray. Okay, well, how, how often are you on things that don't matter, like social media, YouTube, Netflix? 
Okay, Don, now you're getting a little personal. I need my downtime. Jesus was busier than any of us, and yet he withdrew often so he could pray. Now, why do you think that was? Because Jesus knew that what he needed more than anything was the relationship with his Father and the Holy Spirit. He made prayer a priority. He understood that he was fully human. And so in order to do what God had called him to do, why he came to the earth, he needed to be in prayer. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He needed the connection with his Father and the Spirit to receive everything he needed to do what he needed to do just on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know about you, but it makes me pause and say, if Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah needed to withdraw often to pray, how much more so me? And yet, why is it that prayer is the greater work? Prayer is one of the most important things that we can do, and yet it seems to be the thing that we forget or push out or neglect the most. Maybe because it is the most important thing. I don't know. Have you noticed human nature? The things we really should be doing, for some reason it's hard, like drink water, eat veggies exercise, (laughs) and the things that are really bad for us, they're pretty easy, you know, like fast food. And I'm just saying, there's nothing wrong against it. I'm just saying, why is it? It's the flesh. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Jesus said, pray. I'm getting ahead. That's a verse later, but pray. Why? Because our flesh is weak, and we need the power of prayer, that connection with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what we're called to do and to live the life we're called to leave. And here's the result. Look at the next verse, verse 17. The very last bit of it, I just clipped it. It says, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Why? Because he took time to pray. You want the Lord's power? Pray. That's why in this church, we take time to wait on the Lord. That's why we're never in a hurry. Because there's nothing more important than being in the presence of God and letting him direct what we're doing. Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Thank you, Rich, for your opening word. It was just right on. Jaleesa and the worship team, so good. I'm just shaking. I'm, Hallelujah. The goodness of God. Look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Jesus said this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus is encouraging us, pray, pray, pray. Don't give up. Keep praying. Be persistent. Even if you see something or not, pray, pray, pray. And don't stop praying. Now here's the crux, verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. Look at this. This is about prayer, verse 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Even Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, 
See, the basis of prayer is relationship with God. Come on, say that. The basis of prayer is my relationship with God. We are to come to God in prayer, not as fearful slaves or orphans, beggars. We come to him as children, knowing that we're fully loved, that he longs for us. He wants to hear our heart. Yeah, he already knows it, but he wants to hear it. Come on, parents, you should be able to identify with this. You might know something that's going on in your kid's life, but you want them to come and tell you about it. You enjoy when they come and share with you. You might even know already, but you want to hear it. There's something so precious to that. And if we get joy out of that, how much more? The Father that we're created in his image, he longs to hear from us as his loving kids. He's not annoyed. He's not that kind of dad. And maybe you grew up with a dad who was a little annoyed when you bothered him. That's not God. It's okay. Nobody's perfect. But often we put on God, we project onto God what we know. So if the adults in our life were excited to hear from us, then we're, it's easy to believe that God's a good father and excited to hear from us. But if the adults in our life seem to be annoyed at us all the time, then we're kind of thinking God's annoyed too. And that's a, that is something that God wants to correct because that's not true. God is not annoyed at you. Some of you need to just take that in. Okay, God's not annoyed with me. He doesn't get irritated at me. He's not fresh. Even when I cry and I can't stop crying. Even when it's the same thing I've been praying about over and over and over again. His patience never ends. He doesn't get tired of us. He longs for us to come to him. He's a good father. You can trust him. How much more will he give you good gifts for those who ask him? The basis of your prayer is your relationship with God and with others. And that's where I want to get into kind of the meat of the topic today. So we're going to go back to Matthew 5, 23 and 24. You know, it's amazing. The Bible has a lot to say about prayer. So it was really hard to edit scripture to get to the point today. So here we go. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Here's what Jesus said. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus is beginning to teach a different way. He says, you've heard it say, thou shalt not murder. I say, don't even hate him, right? All of a sudden, God is getting into the heart of a person here in this teaching. And he says, if you come to give your sacrifice to God, you come to church, you're coming to serve or tithe or to worship, and you've got a problem with someone else, it matters to God so much, our relationships with each other, that he said, stop what you're doing, go and get it right, and then come back. Everybody say, but first. That's not this translation, but the NIV says, but first, go and be reconciled. But first, that tells me that God cares more about our relationships maybe than we realize. And how we treat each other actually affects our relationship with God. And if you don't remember anything else today, that's what I want you to hear because I'm going to get into it in depth in scripture today. How you treat the people in your life 
matters to God so much that it impacts your own relationship with God. The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is equally like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I believe when we get to heaven, the, best, the question we'll be faced with is, how well did you love? Not how many followers did you have, how many people did you get saved, how many healings did you do, how much did you prophesy, how well did you love? Let's go on to verse 43. It says this, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children. True children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors, even the IRS, even the celebrities, even the gangbangers, they all do the same thing. So if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans, unbelievers, non-saved, even they do that. But you are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, our attitude and our relationships impact our relationship with God. How I love and treat the people around me at work, in my family, my friendships, at church. And if you're married, your spouse, how you treat these relationships impact this relationship. Why? Because God loves all. Not just you. He loves us all. And he cares deeply about our relationships. So when we're commanded to be perfect as he is perfect, it's basically saying, learn to become more like Jesus in the way you treat one another. So Jesus said, you were told you can love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm saying pray for him. He's turning it all around. So when you got difficult people in your life, you don't get to treat them bad. You got to pray for them. Do you know why God wants you to pray for those difficult people? Because prayer changes you. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I've prayed for some difficult people in my life. And you know what I noticed? God was using that prayer to work in me, deeper love, compassion, patience, kindness. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. Peter gives us further insight into this, and we're going to spend the rest of this time in 1 Peter. So open your Bibles, track with me, and we're going to skip a lot so that we can just hit the meat of what we learn from Peter. First Peter kind of touches on the same concepts and there's a lot of parallels to what we just read. In first Peter chapter one, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when just Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. When you read that, it's not about salvation, like your first salvation of coming to faith in Christ. There's two salvations in scripture. The one where you get saved by putting your faith in Christ. And the second one, when Jesus Christ finally comes and everything is made the way it's going to be made right. Okay? So this is talking about that coming salvation of the whole world. Verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Got to remember this relationship of father and child. Don't slip back into your old ways of living 
to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Verse 17, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. <laughs> it's there in your Bible, verse 17. And the father to whom you pray has no favorites. Yes, you are the favorite, but so is the one next to you. Our relationship with others will impact our relationship with God. And again, Peter is talking about the context of our relationship with God, father and child, and the way that we treat one another and the way we live towards one another and the importance to show sincere love. Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 22. We're going to skip ahead. Verse 22. He says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love. Say that, sincere love. You must show sincere love to each other. As what? Brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So he talks about the beauty of the saving faith of Jesus Christ and being cleansed and being washed and becoming holy like he's holy. And the crux of it is love each other well. Love each other well. John Piper says, God has appointed a way for us to live which will help us pray. There are ways to live that hinder prayer, and there is a way to live that helps prayer. So I want to start to look at what could hinder our prayers and how important our relationships are. Go to 1 Peter 3, verse 7. We're going to read 7 through 12. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Any husbands in the house? If you're married, come on, raise your hand. Okay, I'm speaking to you. This is pretty specific, okay? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. I read this verse a number of years ago, and I was like, whoa. That's pretty heavy duty. I mean, obviously, I'm not a husband or a man. But there's insight here specifically written for husbands. And one of the things that I've learned is that when God gives specific insights to children or to husbands or to wives or to pastors, it's because he knows something about our human nature that he wants to address. And so here, this verse is not saying your wife is weaker as in she's inferior, but understand that God brings two people who are different together. So her weaknesses are going to be your strengths, and your strengths are going to be, I mean, her, your weaknesses are going to be her strength. And isn't it human nature that we get irritated with people who are not strong in the same areas we are? Now, if you're married, God gave you your spouse to make you holy, not happy. And if you're single, he uses our singleness to make us holy too. Let's be honest. But if you're married, God gave you your spouse not to make you happy, but to make you holy. You're going to have lots of opportunity to learn how to love like Jesus. 
all kinds of opportunities. And you're going to get to practice self-control and patience and forbearance. Put the verse back up there for us. It says, treat your wife with understanding. Now, if you understand a lot of parallel scriptures that we don't have time to get into today, but there is an exhortation throughout the New Testament that we are to be understanding with one another, patient with one another, bearing with one another in their weaknesses. And I think there's a temptation, instead of being patient and bearing and understanding, to be grumpy and irritable. Am I right, men? Let's just be honest. This is a real church. So she might be weaker than you are. There might be areas that you wish she was stronger in that irritate you, that drive you nuts, that you just don't understand because she's a woman and you're not and you'll never understand. And when you go to your bros, of course they're on your side because they're bros. They don't understand either. And wives, that's why when you go to your girls and you're like, they're like, I know. Because girls get girls and guys get guys and we really don't get each other very well. So that's why it's bad to just go to your girls and be la 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 Because then you're like, yeah, I'm right, he's wrong. And then the bros are like, dude, I know, right? Mm, I know that's not right, it's not cool, man, I know. And then you're like, Ugh. and then what happens? There's like a barrier in the marriage because I know I'm right, my bros said so. Oh yeah, well my girls agree with me. That's why we need a Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's why we need to learn to understand each other. But all humorous, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> but she is your equal partner in God's gift of grace. What does that mean? You get God's grace, give her grace. Not only that, treat her as you should. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. If you don't speak to your wife right, it will hinder your prayers. Your prayers are not as effective. Why? Because God, this is the number one relationship in your life. Married people, your spouse is your number one human relationship. So why? Well, that's why. God cares about how you treat the number one person that he put in your life. It's not that complicated. And you did not marry the wrong person. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. <laughs> well, you don't know my story. If you're married, that's the right person. I don't care how you wake up and feel one day or how you are after a fight. That is still for you. Verse 8. <laughs> and now Peter expands this beyond marriage. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. What kind of attitude? Humble. Not grumpy. Not irritable. Not, not I'm right, you're wrong. Not the silent treatment. Oh, women. Ooh. Humble. Everybody say humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Look at verse 12. Read it with me. 
The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So what, can, what makes your prayers more effective? Right treatment, Christ-like treatment of the people in your life. That's what this is. He's saying, first of all, there's a special responsibility for husbands and their wives, but it goes beyond that to all of us. If you want God's ear to be turned to you, in other words, if you don't want anything to hinder your prayers, then treat each other the way Christ wants you to treat them. Not just your spouse and your kids and the people you like, but the people that you don't like. Be real. People at work. Neighbors. I mean, you know, they're people, people. But look what it says. Sympathize, love, tenderhearted, humble attitude. Don't retaliate. Pray for them. Give them a blessing. Watch your mouth. Come on. That's, if I was to summarize verse 10, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Verse 11, if you watch your mouth, then you'll turn from evil and you'll do good. Search for peace. God cares very much about how we treat each other and how I treat each other will impact my prayer life and my relationship with God. If, if this is hard for you to understand, let me put it to you like this. Any, any uh, parents in the house got some kids? All right, all right, I knew that. Okay, somebody can say something bad about you and you can handle it. Oh, but they talk about your baby. They start talking about your kid, and it's over. You heard of mama bear syndrome? Ooh, don't poke the bear. If we get so offended when someone speaks negatively or treats our kid unfairly, or we found out that little kid pushed that kid at you, you're about ready to go talk to that little kid. <laughs> I'm going to talk to the parents. I'm going to talk to the teacher. How dare they push my kid? And if you and I are so quick to run to the defense of our kids, to stand up for them, to deal with injustice, how much more the Heavenly Father who loves you, and not just you, but the people in your life. So when we don't get along with each other, when we don't love each other like Christ loves each other, God's running to their defense. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you know who you're talking about? Don't you know who you're treating? That's not your wife. That's my daughter. That's not your neighbor, that's my son. Oh, we need a mind shift. Because verse 12 says, the eyes of the Lord are watching over those. He's watching us. Hey, you're treating people well. He turns his ears to hear. But if we don't, he turns his face towards us. Why? Because God cares about relationship. Let's keep going. Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Verse 8, most important of all, read it, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 7, be devoted to prayer. Verse 8, love each other. There is a direct connection between prayer and loving each other. Don't miss what the Bible says. It says, can put verse seven up again. It says, above all, be devoted, be earnest, be disciplined in your prayer life. 
Verse 8, but above all else, most important, continue to show deep love. What kind of love? Jesus' love. The love of the Father. Because why? Love covers a multitude of sins. Aren't you glad that the love of Jesus has covered a multitude of your sins? I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus covers my sins. I'm so glad that he gives me grace and mercy. So as the Bible says, you've received mercy, give mercy. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 9. 1 Peter 5, there it is. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, say all. All of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All of you relate to each other in humility. What is humility? Humility is I forgive. I love you like Christ. I prefer you. I put you above myself. I pick up my cross. I might be right, but I prefer relationship over being right. Hello, your relationship is more important than being right. If you think you need to be right and you forget the relationship, then you're in the wrong. I don't care how right you are, you're wrong. Because being right is not more important than your relationship. That's why it says in humility, dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. Why? Because if you come in pride, well, I know I'm right. I'm going to be right. You better listen to me. I need some respect. God will oppose you. Think about that for a moment. God will oppose you. I don't need any more opposition in my life. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. We can get some opposition at home. We can get some opposition at work. We can get some opposition online, in society. I don't need God opposing me either. So if I don't want to fight God, then I better not fight others. Let me just put this in context. Fight others, fight God. (laughs) But everybody say, oh, but grace gives us, right? He gives grace to us. When we're humble, grace, the power to do what you could not do otherwise. That's what grace is. Grace is the power to do what you could not do. Forgive. The power to do what you could not do. Be nice. The power to do what you could not do. Still show kindness. Oh, it's a good word. This will set some of you free today if you'll let it. I wrote down some words for humility. It's honor, respect, forgiveness, patience, kindness, understanding, and putting the others First, and when we operate in this way, it positions us to receive God's grace. And then we're not fighting against God, we're fighting with God. He's on our side and he gives us grace. So fight with your wife, you're fighting with God. I just, it's not me, it's the scripture. Amen. Well, you're a woman, it's the scripture. <laughs> fight with your coworker, and you're really fighting God. So humble yourself before God. Go on, verse six. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, what time? time. He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Trust and obey. When we talk about being humble before God, that means we come in a place of surrender. Your will, not my will. 
Jesus showed us the model of prayer. He came in the garden of Gethsemane and he said, is there another way, Jesus? Jesus, God. We say Jesus. He says God. Is there another way, Father? Can you take this cup from me? But not what I want. Your will be done. And he obeyed unto death on a cross. For you and I to be humble, to humble ourselves, verse 6, to humble ourselves before God means that I say, God, this is what I want. However, you're God. I'm not. Your will be done. I will obey what you're telling me to do, even if it's going to cause me suffering and pain. Even if it means I got to lay down my life for the sake of others, just like Jesus did. Verse 7, so give all your cares, your worries to God. Why? Because he cares about you. You know, of all the things that this scripture could say, he chose that for he cares about you. It could have said, give all your worries and cares to God because he knows best. It didn't say that. Give all your cares and worries to God because he's strong. It didn't say that. Fill in the blank. What does he say? Give it all to God because he cares. Prayer is the basis of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And then let's keep reading. Verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Prayer will help us resist temptation. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told his disciples, he took Peter, John, and James with him when he went to pray at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he kept finding them asleep. And he came and he woke them up and he said, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Sometimes we need to get up. If you have a hard time praying, find a new environment. Now, we're all created differently. If I try to pray in my apartment, I will get distracted. I'll notice things on the wall I've never seen before. I'll, I'll be thinking about all the things I got to do. All of a sudden, I'm like, man, I need to vacuum the floor. What's up with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I just get distracted or I fall asleep. This is me. I don't know about you. Some people, like I have a friend, she can just sit in one place and pray for hours. And I'm like, oh, that would kill me. So because I'm active, I got a little ADHD in me, right? I pray best when I'm outside walking around. So the Holy Spirit taught me about myself so that I can talk to him in a way that's very effective for me and for him. And you have to find what works for you. Sometimes we hear stories of preachers that talk about, I have my special chair and I sit in it and I pray and commune with God. Great, if that works for you, good. But if it doesn't, do something else. Find out what works for you. And spend some time with the Lord. If it's the morning, do it in the morning. If you're like me and you're awake but not functional, then do it when you get functional. There's no right or wrong way to do it. The important thing is make time for it. Jesus often withdrew to pray. Come on, worship team. But here in 1 Peter 5, it says that if we will humble ourselves before God, if we'll give him all of our worries and our cares, this is talking about prayer. Then it says, verse 8, then you'll be able to stay alert. You'll be aware of the devil and what he's after. And you can stand firm against him and resist him and stand strong in your faith. Prayer. 
Prayer is the greater work. Can you say that? Prayer is the greater work. Say it again. Prayer is the greater work. The health of your relationship and connection to God will be determined by your prayer life. Your prayer life will be helped or hindered in the way you treat the people in your life. I asked the worship team to sing this song. It's one that we know. As an opportunity for some, how about this? Quiet, sober reflection before the Holy Spirit. If there are things in your relationships in this moment that the Holy Spirit is highlighting, then this is an opportunity to repent and to ask God to help you love like he loves. If you need to make something right, I encourage you to go and make it right today. Because if you don't do it today, you ain't going to do it tomorrow. You probably ain't going to do it. I'll do it. No, no. Today. If the Lord is convicting you or showing you there's an issue there, maybe you're, you're, you're the husband in this house that needs to apologize to your wife. This, or, or the other way around. I mean, the verse said husbands. But wives, you can read verse 6 that, that talks to the wives. And, and there's probably room in there, too, for you to repent. Is that better? You're welcome. <laughs> Father, we thank you that you do love us so much. You love us more than we could ever fathom. You love us unconditionally. You're not turned off or despised by our weaknesses or our vulnerabilities. You want us to come to you, to talk to you, to commune with you. You desire greatly because you're a good, loving father who longs for relationship with your sons and daughters. If you have not asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life and put your faith in him, then this is the moment to do so because that's how you become a child of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. If you're watching online or you're in this room and you need to put your faith and say, you know what, I want that relationship with God. I want to walk in that relationship with the Father God, to know him and be known by him. I want to give my life to Jesus. Then I'm just going to give you an opportunity in this room to raise your hand. We just want to give that opportunity. We see your hands. And online, you could pray with me and say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. I put my faith in you, and I choose to live for you from this day forward. I want to know more about your love for me, and help me to love like you love. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.